Welcome back to Listen Up Podcast at Grace Christian University. Hello, welcome back to the Listen Up Podcast. We're glad to have you here on our last episode of this academic year. How are you feeling about that, Gabby? Very sad, <laughs> but also happy because we're coming back, but still. Yeah. And things. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'll cry and I'll be fine. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe a couple snuggles with my dog will do it. And then I'll, I'll reminisce for a bit. And I'll think ahead to what we have next year. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. This podcast is unofficially sponsored yet again by Kahawa Cafe. It's our only sponsor. <laughs> only ones that will pay. <laughs> Even though there's no <laughs> pay. I had to pay for it. So. <laughs> They're losing revenue. <laughs> this is not working. This business relationship. We'll work it out next year. <laughs> See, once they pay, they can get a logo on a cup and, and, and have it on. So there's some... Uh, uh publicity there There you go okay coming up right now is the flashback in 50 seconds ready okay so um last week throughout last week we had the art of grace it's concluding or it's already concluded on friday uh open mic (laughs) night was april 18th i did silent humor riley said a story word switch uh grace's closet was on the 19th girl swap new clothes that's great survival kits were 19th to 21st you got snacks and stuff in a brown paper bag chick-fil-a lunch and learn was on april 21st for the boys guys grill out was on april 20th um that was great guys hung out sports trivia and then masquerade formal happened and you wore a mask 33 wow i could have spent more time rambling yeah, but I okay. didn't. Is there anything you want to know more about Gabby that I just said? Mm. I mean, you went to the formal. Was there a lot of musical mingling at the formal? <laughs> there was some music and there were some people. <laughs> people in a space and yeah. they swayed like trees. Mm-hmm. They had food, took pictures, all that jazz. It was a formal. <laughs> it was a formal. So this week's student connection question was, what were some of your favorite memories from the past year? So uh, Murray Girl 11 said, welcome back, Bash. That was a good time. Uh, There was a mechanical bull. There was a library window smashed because of the dunk tank. Forgot about that. (laughs) Rick was supposed to be dunked. He did not get dunked. At least not on that one. (laughs) No. Uh, Savannah Rose Fast said, living on campus for her senior year, it produced so many memories. How were your memories when you lived on campus as a student? They were very good. I mean, those are highs and lows of any situation that you live in, but I'm definitely glad that I lived on campus as well. Mm-hmm. It allows a lot more memories. That is true. I didn't live on campus, but I was here all the time. You were pretty close. I was very close <laughs> behind the jack. Uh, Bethany Meyer 17 said, all of them hashtag senior year hashtag love your energy (laughs) thank you bethany i like to think i have a good energy i practice feng shui just kidding just kidding i'm a christian thoroughbred (laughs) believer uh doug dot seely said signing slash commitment day horns he's very excited to come and play soccer here and to be part of our community and learn about god and grow in his faith and everything i saw him today that was cool Thank you, Doug. Ben Bird R sixty eight said cross country nationals. 
because we have a lot of runners on campus uh, who compete in running. Would you ever compete in running? No. I'm hey, you two. have little legs. I have little legs. <laughs> the only person I'll understand that is Becky Karsten <laughs> and our staff. But I mean, it's a it's, it was a popular Instagram reel. It was. You're right. So there's a, maybe some maybe other <laughs> short-legged people out there who can kind of sympathize with your situation. Unite. Unite. <laughs> Might take us a minute to get there. But... <laughs> yeah. Coming up next is an interview with Talon Palmatier. Please enjoy. Hello. Today we have a great guest. We have Talon Palmatier. He's a student here at Grace. Thanks for being on, on the show, Talon. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. So, Talon, uh, for our listeners and viewers, um, what are you studying here at Grace and what year are you? I'm a sophomore and I'm studying biblical studies. Awesome. So, we're just going to dive a little bit deep into your life, ask some questions pertaining to maybe some of your passions and stuff like that, and we'll just see where it goes. Sound good? Yeah. Uh, tell me a bit about this year. How has your sophomore year at Grace been so far? I think it's been pretty good. I've enjoyed it. I like living at the Walker house with everybody. I think soccer season went well, so that was an enjoyable experience to have. We got to go down to Florida again and play. Mm. In terms of my classes, I really enjoyed my classes this year as well. Like right now, I have philosophy and culture with Lovren, so that's always interesting. And I have Greek with Kyle, so that's always intriguing to do. It's a little frustrating sometimes, but you know, <laughs> we, we make it work, so... Yeah, I've actually really enjoyed this year overall. Freshman year, you lived in the dorms, mm -hmm. and then you moved to the house. What was the best thing about moving to a house, and what was the, I won't say worst, but I will say most trying thing about moving to a house? Uh, well, the best thing is that, for me at least, you get like more of a kitchen. You get an oven. So I learned how to cook on an oven this year, so that's Whoa. impressive for me, but the hardest thing is like actually like cleaning the living space. Cause in a dorm, it's like, well, you know, you got this square room here and that's all you got to keep track of. But it's like, now you got to keep track of a whole house. So you got to remind people to clean or remind yourself to clean. But mm -hmm. living in a house is a lot better than the dorms. If you can do that, or even the apartments, Preston hall has its perks, but it's time <laughs> to move on after freshman year. So what do you seek to specialize in with your biblical studies? Well, once I graduate, I'll have to go on the seminary. And then from there, I mean, if I could go into a PhD program, that'd be cool. But I'm not focused on that exactly. But I want to be able to teach as a professor, ideally. So if I can, mm. after master's, teach undergraduate somewhere and then work towards a PhD, that'd be pretty cool. Mm. Um, so you're really into theology mm -hmm. and biblical study and things like that. What would you say you prefer more of, like the history side of things or like the the theology and the knowledge of it i'd say for me it's more the theology of it i do like learning about historical theologians and sort of historical theology but for me it's more like what does the bible actually tend to teach and what do i believe and then mm. how i can believe more of what the bible actually teaches not just you know my own doctrines or theology that i was taught growing up you know finding like more of an authentic faith and belief mm-hmm yeah, so you just said the theology or the belief that you grew up believing. This brings the question, how has that, uh, how has your belief kind of changed or matured since growing up in the church you did and where you are now at Grace? 
Well, I mean, my church set me up pretty well, I think, for most things, but I've gone on my own journey for theology and stuff a lot mm-hmm. in my own different ways and just trying to figure out how to explain things to myself because I'm like, well, I don't understand this. How does this work? And mm-hmm. and just asking general questions and going about that. So that's taken me down different avenues. I mean, I'm, I'm a very big Genesis guy, so I like talking about that stuff. So creation is an interest of mine. And mm-hmm. I like the Old Testament broadly. So like there's things where I've had to research and study that might have differed from what I thought growing up or the people around me thought, but mm-hmm. I think is the most biblical idea. So you kind of got to go with that, even if it's not always with the crowd, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. I would love to dive deeper into that. But before we do that, tell me a little bit about, you know, your life, how you grew up, childhood, what growing up in the church or your school was like that kind of brought you to where you are now as a individual? Well, I grew up in Port Huron. I had both parents in the household, so it was pretty good. For up until my junior year, I went to a private Christian school. So that's where I got part of my interest because you're kind of forced to take a class Mm -hmm. every semester on it. But Mm. I always thought it was enjoyable. But for me, it wasn't until like my junior year kind of sophomore year a little bit that I really got into it and that even though I didn't know I wanted to do that like as a study in college and stuff it was like I really got interested in the topic Hmm. because I went through like sort of my own crisis of faith where I thought about a lot but I didn't know how everything lined up so it forced me to really take a deeper look at things Hmm. and I think that doubt benefited me because it led me to have a stronger relationship because you know there is truth in Christianity and it is there even if, you know, you might not see it at first or if you're just wrong about something, you know, and you have to be honest enough to change mm. your opinion, you know. Mm-hmm. So overall, growing up, had a good childhood. Everything went pretty well. Everyone has hardships and stuff, but it was it was good. Out of those hardships that you faced as a child, which which of those would you say was the most forming for you or maturing? <laughs> well... I mean, growing up, I don't know how else to put it. I was kind of chunky. was a little chubby. Mm-hmm. And like when I was younger, younger, it didn't really bother me. But as I grew up, it started to bother me more. So mm-hmm. I went through a, a summer where I played like basketball every day and some soccer, but I would run a lot too. And I lost like 15, 20 pounds in the summer. Wow. And so for me, that taught me a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. I would have been seventh, seventh grade going into eighth grade. That taught me a lot of discipline. And it really showed me what hard work can do. And so from that, I was able to really apply that in other areas of my life. So I think I think sort of going about skinning up a little bit really was character growth for me. And I like to I like to think that you've done you've done a good job keeping it off and, <laughs> and yeah. remaining that. So so when you started playing soccer there, was was that the first time you played soccer or did you grow up before playing or? I started playing soccer when I was three. Okay. So I've been playing since, and I played in high school and all throughout that. Growing up, for the most part, I actually like basketball more. But hmm. as I got into later high school, it was like, yeah, no, soccer is pretty cool. Yeah. So I started to focus on that more. Gotcha. Yeah, the further you go with basketball, for the most part, unless you're like Steve Nash, it's kind of relying on height. Yeah, 5'8 doesn't really do it most of the time. So No. Nate Robinson did at 5'9". Then again, it's Nate Robinson. (laughs) Big difference between him and I. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So when did you first uh, believe in Jesus? Well, as a kid growing up, obviously you accept Christ, but I don't think as a little kid, you really know what that means. And through like early middle school, I'd say that I did believe, but I don't think I really knew what it was to live out your faith or what that really meant. So I think it was around sophomore year, junior year, where I would have believed before and I would have said so and whatnot. I don't think I truly understood it until around that time, Hmm. what it really meant to live out your faith and how to actually live for Christ, not just, you know, not do certain things and have God in the back of your mind. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. really try to bring him to the forefront and put him first in what you do, you know? So between that time of being a kid and then going into high school, before you went through, you know, those doubts that later really grew your faith, what was that transition like? I was still at the Christian school, so that was K through 12. So it really was just like moving down the hall for lockers, you know, I already knew everyone and everything. So it wasn't that for me, at least high school wasn't a big transition. It was more Mm -hmm. of a transition when I transferred to public school. That was a real switch up for me. Mm. But I don't know, middle school versus high school, I mean, there, there's a little bit of a difference. I was a little weirder in middle school. Explain. Like, <laughs> like in the, se- in the seventh grade, I really liked wombats for some reason. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like, it wasn't like I was obsessed with the animal. I just thought it was funny to bring them up and, and say stuff. Like I was <laughs> like, if you know me now, I'm still pretty random and I'll just say random things, but like not that far. So it's like, it's <laughs> toned in a little bit, but at once I got into high school more, it was like, I don't know, my interests and my passions became more communicatable with other people. Hmm. Like it, in middle school, it often felt like I was interested in things that other people weren't or that I couldn't talk about it as much. So hmm. it was like once I had high school, it started to mature and I could communicate it more and like it, it allowed people to know me better, I think. Hmm. So during that time in high school where you are forming new beliefs through your own study, that you kind of prodded on yourself. Were there mentors around you who were pouring into you or what did that look like? Um, a lot of in high school, it was basically by myself. One person who I remember pretty fondly is my middle school Bible teacher, Mrs. Lane. Hmm. She's the one who got me really into the Old Testament because seventh and eighth grade, it was just straight Old Testament for like four semesters. But it was, which gives you a good background for that stuff. You remember little things, but like, I don't know. It really made me interested in the Old Testament and stuff. So I really value that in terms of mentors. You know, you have teachers that kind of guide you and whatnot. Like I, well, I mean, I'd ask her questions as well and she'd tell me things and introduce me to new ideas. So, but a lot of it was just on my own study too and whatever, because some of it was like, do I really want to even say the doubt? Like, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it's like, I just keep it to myself and go research it myself, but Mm -hmm. which isn't always the most helpful. You, You should be able to go to people and talk, but you know what I mean? It's kind of just how it was then I feel like for myself. So, but I, I had some good mentors, specifically Mrs. Lane. So shout out, to, shout Mrs. out to Mrs. Lane. <laughs> but in high school where you conven- uh, continued to develop kind of an idea of what you would like to go into, what made Bible college the next reasonable decision uh, above mm-hmm. other possible choices? And how'd you find grace? Well, growing up into or going into high school, I remember like sophomore year, I wanted to be a psychologist. Hmm. And then I was like, actually, I just like watching Jordan Peter Peterson videos on oh, YouTube. So yeah. it was like, <laughs> maybe not exactly psychologist, but I do like watching him. So it was like, mm-hmm. then for a while, even leading into college, I was unsure whether I wanted to do political science or not, because I do like politics and talking about that stuff. But 
I think for me, like, obviously coming to grace, there's, there's no political science. So it was like, I want, I knew I wanted to do biblical studies. And so it kind of was like one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's pursue this, focus this and not have other things. Cause you know, there's always that thought in the back of your mind, like you could help on a campaign trail, but it's like, if your callings are elsewhere, you want to go there too. Mm-hmm. For grace, particularly, I was looking at colleges and emailing coaches for soccer. And so I was on a website and just Grace Christian University was there. So I filled it out and ended up working for pricing and location. And I came visited here and I was like, I like the small environment because mm. it sort of reminded me of the Christian school because it's smaller. And then you mm. go to public school, you're like, everything's so large and you get used to that. But it's like, it's nice coming to more like an environment where you know people and you can relate to people more closely, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's how I found Grace, basically just on the internet. What would you say is your favorite part of the experience of being at Grace? I mean, obviously, I like hanging out with my friends and doing that kind of stuff. But for me, one of the benefits I see is being able to interact with my professors and ask Mm -hmm. them different questions, whether it's just emailing them or seeing them in person or whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, it's always enjoyable to me to talk to P-Long and ask him a question about something or ask a philosophy question to lover and just like having people like having those resources around you to where Mm. it's like you can pull wisdom from them or they can teach you things and like even Jake Rogers introduced me to a lot of new ideas last semester so it's like I I really enjoy just engaging with the professors and just figuring out like because there's a lot I don't know you know but it's like I want to know what it is so it's like if you the more you interact with them the more you can figure out so it's always useful Mm. I think my axe class I had last year with P-Long was good because hmm. I I think it showed me like a lot more in my face because it's like one book for the whole semester. It showed me like just the complexity that is like in studying a book of the New Testament because oftentimes hmm. you're like, oh, well, it's just the Acts of the Apostles. But it's like, no, there's a narrative structure. There's a reason why there's buildup to Paul's conversion and hmm. how it's foreshadowed in the text. There's a reason why the Ethiopian eunuch shows up in chapter eight and Cornelius shows up in chapter 10, Mm. but he's the first God fearer to convert to, you know, well, what we know as Christianity, but would be just a follower of Jesus. Mm. And so it's like, for me, it was like, there was such thematic detail and reason behind everything that happened. Mm. It really brought richness to my understanding of the text. And it was just like, everything's put together for a reason. It's not like the author, or it wasn't like Luke was basically like, yeah, we'll stick it here. It's like, no, 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 there's a reason and there's a purpose to it. Mm. And it, it, it really makes me want to know why, or at least the theology behind it, you know, mm-hmm. you desiring to know why and, and dig deep and know those thematic details that are unique to a certain text. You mentioned earlier that you love Genesis and studying it. What intrigues you most about Genesis and what do you think the majority of people get wrong about the book? Oh, that's a good question. For me, Genesis 1 through 11 is always the most interesting because it's Mm. sort of like proto-history or mytho-history. And that doesn't mean that it didn't actually happen or anything, mind you. But for me, we often try to place the text in our own cultural context as opposed to the ancient context that it it was written in for Mm. the ancient culture. And so for me, it's sort of uncovering what the ancient culture would have thought about the text and how they would have interpreted it. Hmm. And so, you know, that affects how you think about the Nephilim, the sons of God in Genesis 6, were they human, were they divine? And especially even Genesis 1 with creation, because we always, 
one well one fundamental difference i'd say and this is this can is this controversial so people can disagree with me but we often look at the text and assume that it's speaking material creation because for us mm. that seems so normal so necessary but it in the ancient cultural context, oftentimes the culture wasn't concerned about material creation. It was concerned about what function the creation actually had. Hmm. So for the ancient the ancient culture, it was as if something didn't exist if it didn't have a function. They just assumed material creation happened at some time in the past. That wasn't really their concern. Hmm. So when you look at the text, and there's a lot more details too, and people can disagree with me. When you look at the text, it's like, for me, Genesis 1 is showing that God is creating function to the universe and creating order out of pre-existing chaos as opposed to just, oh, well, this is him materially creating everything. And it's like, for us, it's so easy to assume material creation, but like to the ancient culture, they might they might, might not be thinking in that sort of paradigm. Hmm. So it becomes important to study as best we can, like ancient cultures and what they were would have thought about that because it informs our knowledge of the text, you know? Hmm. Along with that view of creation, I've actually never heard that before, which is really inspiring because now I want to learn more about and study mm -hmm. more about that. What are your thoughts about people trying to uh, categorize, you know, the days of creation into seven day period? Was it thousands of years? Is it poetic? What are your thoughts? At one point, I was in the day age theory camp. So that would be that each day is actually just a long, finite period of time, which would be based on the Hebrew day. Hebrew word for day, which is Yom. Mm -hmm. And I don't stand in that camp anymore because overwhelmingly the Hebrew word for day is used for a 24 hour period. Hmm. And so what I would say is that it is talking about creation in 24 hour periods, but it's not God materially, materially creating in those 24 hours. It's him producing function to pre-existing materials within those 24 hour days. And so it is a little bit of a perspective shift, but I think there's a lot of evidence behind it. The particular view of Genesis I tend to hold of Genesis one is the temple inauguration view and John Walton promotes it in the lost world of Genesis one. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's other scholars, but it basically shows that Genesis one is sort of a temple building creation. So it's like, it's viewing the world as building his temple. Mm -hmm. And that's why on the seventh day he rests because where does, where does God rest? He rests in his temple shows that his creation was complete and fully functional. And so for me, it's like the days are 24 hour days, but it's just not speaking about material creation. It's talking about a functional creation and it's speaking of it in terms of establishing his temple, which would be, you know, the cosmos, the world. Hmm. Other, other than Genesis, what about the old Testament really intrigues you? Well, right now, particularly, um, concern or not concerned that's the wrong word i'm interested in sort of the composition of the pentateuch i have i have a book right now called exploring the composition of the pentateuch that i'm going through or i need to start reading more but i have i've read the first chapter but for me because it's like growing up you're always total well you know moses wrote the pentateuch it's like probably didn't you know it's a little more complex than that and so for me it's like well what does that mean and so like for example rogers he introduced me to the documentary hypothesis, which is basically that there's four sources. There's the J source, the E source, the D source, and the P source, mm -hmm. and that originate different times. And there's all sorts of arguments for the times. It's just, it's really wild, but that the Deuteronomic author or authors would have pulled from when compiling the text and editing the text into the final form we see today. Mm -hmm. So there's that, but the documentary hypothesis is sort of 
dying off is sort of falling back a little bit. So it opens up new scholarship though. And so that's what I mm-hmm. find interesting. Cause it's like, well, how was the Pentateuch compiled? You know, cause some of it probably did originate around the time of Moses, whether from oral tradition or quite ancient, but it's like it developed over time into where we find it today. And so for me, it's interesting to figure out like, how did the text get to where it is? And like, I was talking to Pilong about this earlier, actually. And he basically said that while that is interesting to do, it's not always necessary. You can just say the text is here, how it is now, and let's focus on it now, which is useful and has its place. But it's also, if you can study the composition and try to figure it out, I think you should, because mm-hmm. it informs us about how the text was written and how it was added to or edited over time. So for me, the pen, the like the composition of the Pentateuch right now is interesting to me. How do you think the Old Testament should relate to the to today, and how should we view view it in light of the New Testament? I don't know a lot about Andy Stanley, but I remember I saw a clip where he was talking about we need to detach the New Testament from the Old Testament. It gets me riled up, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like you can't understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't understand who Jesus is and why he needed to do what he did without the context from the Old Testament. Obviously, we understand the Old Testament now in light of the New Testament, but the Old Testament informs how we should even think about the New Testament and why it it matters as much as it does, you know, because it's like, well, why did Jesus have to come and die? If you don't have the context from the Old Testament, you you don't even know about sin. You don't even know about any of these concepts or why he needed to be a sacrifice for us, sort of that penal substitution. So mm-hmm. for me, it's like it's it's very harmful to Christianity to make a claim that we need to detach from the Old Testament or 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 as if we need to downsize it. You know, it's like the New Testament has a big place and it and it's valid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it's like if you if you don't bring in the Old Testament, you're missing seventy percent of the Bible. You know, so it's like you really want to remove that big of a chunk. Like even if some mm-hmm. of it doesn't apply to us today, it's necessary to learn or it's good to learn it informs how we think about later things and later texts and you need a very big emphasis on the old testament to inform how we think about the new testament what would you say is for modern churches i'll say popular christianity what about their theology in relation to your understanding of the text and their use of the text is incorrect or needs to be changed i think at least in in my experience we oftentimes we take the text and we just try to apply it to our own lives. And while that is necessary, that is something you need to do with application. I think like I've seen it sometimes where it's like, you know, you take a verse out of context and try to support it with something in your own life. And it's like the context doesn't really fit here. Hmm. So for me, it's just like, it's not wrong to study the text and learn what it means just for the sake of learning what it means and what it meant in its original context. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can definitely apply things to your own life, but I, I would just say be cautious when you do, because there are things that very easily apply to us. And then there are other things that you would stretch to te- the text in order to do. And so I would just be careful about application and not taking the text out of context. Hmm. Uh, what are some of those things that people tend to stretch? I mean, like people take popular verses, like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, you put it on your basketball shoe (laughs) and it's like, yeah, I can make this basket. It's like, you know, God sustains you. My, you know, he obviously does that, but this text probably is not referring to you playing basketball (laughs) or it's good that you can draw from it, but it's like, 
there's some context to it. You know, Paul's probably talking about suffering Christians and mm -hmm. persecution and, and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's other verses we can probably use than than that one to apply to our own lives, you know. Mm -hmm. But that would be a popular one from the New Testament. Obviously, in the Old Testament, you have Jeremiah 29, 11. Yeah. I have plans for you. It's like, yeah, you got plans for, for me. It's like he does, but he's talking about Israel here, you know. Yeah. So let's let's remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's other other verses in the Old Testament that would speak clear to having plans. Mm -hmm. In Psalm 139, um, every day is written in your book before one comes to be. Mm -hmm. That that sure sounds like plans to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it doesn't have the word prosper. Yeah, and Americans love the word prosper. It's <laughs> right in the name prosperity gospel. Yep, exactly. Talking about. I should say modern Christianity or Christianity today, who are some individuals that you look up to even maybe like closer in age to you than not as well, maybe younger on the scale that you, that you look up to. It can be old too. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so for modern day, I'd say like in terms of scholars, it'd be like Michael Heiser. Okay. His book, the unseen realm is really good. Uh, John Walton. I like NT Wright. Yeah, and then I know I'm forgetting things, but I like uh, in terms of people I know, mm -hmm. I like talking to Bryce about things. Oh, cool! I like talking to Matt about things, mm -hmm. and I like to engage with them because they they have their own thoughts and their own ideas, and that's always cool to talk about and discuss. Because we don't all, we agree on a lot of things, but we don't agree on everything. Mm -hmm. So it it creates an interesting dynamic. And it's good that you don't agree on everything, right? Because mm -hmm. it helps you to grow, right? Yeah. And uh, it's great that you can have that, what I'm assuming is respectful dialogue with each other and grow. Because I think that's something that the world is lacking now, mm -hmm. is that respectful discourse, even if they don't agree. Cool. Um, so just, just one last question. So for students in school or maybe young Christians right now, young adults, what is something that you're learning that you would like to, and it could be learning about God, learning about theology. What's something that you'd like to let them know about? I just let them know that it's okay to have doubts hmm. and it's okay to have questions. Shouldn't feel shame to ask, ask them, or you shouldn't feel shame that you're thinking you know, about things critically and that it's leading you down a different path than you might originally have thought. And so I would just encourage them to, you know, go to people in their lives who they trust and talk about these things, but also mm -hmm. do their own research and their own study and be humble enough mm -hmm. to accept that they're probably wrong about some things and that they need to learn and need to grow. So there's a lot of information out there, but they shouldn't, they should go at it boldly and unashamed. Mm -hmm. And that, the information they find, it's okay, even if you don't know how to process it at the time. And there is truth in Christianity. And well, the truth isn't Christianity, let's make it clear. But, and, you know, through like apologetics, you can find those answers you're looking for. And it will lead, it should lead you right back to Christ, even if immediately it might lead you and it looks like a different rabbit trail. It should shoehorn you back in you know whether it's with the resurrection of christ arguments for the resurrection whether it's arguments for the existence of god or whatever questions you have i would just say just go at it full-heartedly and just be open to what you find so that was gonna be the last question but to go off of that <laughs> um what 
area of your faith did you have the most doubt about and what changed that for you? Well, for me, when I was having doubts, it was, I mean, I'd say broadly just the existence of God. I think that's pretty generic, but I think that was there. So you start looking into arguments and what people are saying, that kind of thing. But for me, particularly, it was creation and how it functioned because I, you know, tended to grow up young earth creationist and that was all that I knew. And so when that seemed to fall apart for me, it, it seemed like it was that or just not being a Christian, you know? And so that, I think that's a harmful mindset. And so it took me humbling myself and realizing that I'm probably wrong Mm. about things and leading me into new perspectives on Genesis and the text that, you know, led me closer to God in the long run. And I think is more biblically accurate. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, It was a great conversation. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening back to it (laughs) while I edit it. Um, Don't worry, all your good stuff will remain. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, this is our last interview of the semester. So thank you for listening. All right, that's all we have for you today. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you for all the fun episodes that we got to do this year. It's a lot of fun and we really enjoyed it. Um, But as always, listen up. Thank you for listening. See you next week on the Listen Up podcast.